Welcome to Through a Handler's Eyes. I'm Jo Hilda and I'll be interviewing assistance dog handlers Australia-wide. We won't be discussing legalities or training methods, just the journey of the human and their dog. Hi, uh, today I welcome assistance dog handler Elise and her dog Luna from Victoria. Elise and Luna are organisation supported. Hi Elise, it's great to have you here. Hi Jo, it's lovely to talk to you. Um, when did you get your first assistance dog? Um, so Luna is, I'm very lucky, but she is my first assistance dog and she's been an assistance dog for just over two years now, I think. Yep, roughly. <laughs> okay. So what influenced you in making the decision to have an assistance dog as part of your um, medical plan? Um, I think for me, um, I've really struggled when it comes to communicating the status of my health at the time. So, you know, um, when you're out and about and whatnot and I, you know, feel very dissociative or things like that um, and I'm unable to communicate, um, I, yeah, I'm sometimes physically unable to communicate what's going on but often sometimes, more often than not, sorry, um, I don't want to be a burden to others if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't want to burden people with what's going on. So Luna... Luna, when it comes to being part of the medical plan, effectively is the middleman. She takes the um, the emotional side out of it of Luna. Luna couldn't care less about burdening people. Um, no. So Luna will pick up on, you know, she'll do her tasks and things like that and she'll pick up on a chemical change or whatnot or things like that or um, a behaviour and she'll go and get someone if it needs to or she'll, you know, we'll start our recovery process of deep pressure therapy and stuff like that, medications. Oh, so, yeah, so, that was why she was really, sorry to interrupt, but that's why she was um, really important for part of being part of the medical man was, uh, medical plan was just effectively being that communicator. Right. How did you come about to know about them and uh, assistance dogs and decide to, to go down that road? Um, I heard from a, psychology and psychi- a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Um, it was very funny, actually. They said it within two days of each other and they both came to this conclusion um and yeah it was just suggested to me that um you know no amount of medication can really help with the feeling of burdening other people that's not something that it can apart you know that's going to be something that stays with me for a while from what I understand for a number of reasons so how do you go about making sure then that I don't have um and I was doing an isolated feeling amongst assistance dog handlers. I, I know a lot of us do. Um, but how do you then go about trying to keep my health as well as possible whilst um, whilst mitigating that particular area, if that makes any sense? Yeah, so you, you were um, two professionals put you onto this, yeah. <laughs> this solution. That was good. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about Luna, about her personality <laughs> and how you got her and all of those things. <laughs> so to give you a painter, give you paint a picture of Luna. Luna and I are two peas in a pod. We <laughs> she's one of the funniest dogs I've ever seen. And she's such a she she's such a dope sometimes. Oh my goodness. It's like sometimes <laughs> With a vest on, she's one of the smartest dogs you'll ever meet. With a vest off, it's like she's functioning on a quarter of a brain cell at the best of times. And honestly, <laughs> yeah. that's how I feel most of the time as well. Um, she is incredibly intuitive, very fruit-focused, <laughs> um, and a snoring champion. That, that's how I describe Luna. Um, yeah. 
Luna is a rescue. Um, we she wasn't um, purchased with the intention or rescued with the intention, sorry, of um, becoming an assistance dog. Um, she just managed to pass all the temperament tests. Um, but she was rescued from a backyard breeder um, where she had, she was breeding from quite a young age. So she was two when we got her and she already had three litters. Oh, dear. Yeah. So um, there was a little and bit of health issues at the start, but that's that's about it. And what breed is she? So Luna's Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. So oh, they're lovely dogs. They are lovely. Um, not a typical assistance dog breed, which, you know, in the public eye is what I mean. Not, I mean, yeah. all, most of us assistance dog handlers know that breeds not necessarily, you know, focused to one. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> any breed can be an assistance yeah, exactly. dog. Any individual within a breed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, how did you, you got her from uh, rescue. Yeah. Um, and how long did you have her before you decided that, you would um, like to, roughly to train her. Six months. She came to us, so she'd been. She didn't review her. She didn't reveal her true colours for about six months. So she was. Um, she had. I don't know. I wouldn't say a fair few, but she had some obedience issues at the start, which was fair enough because she spent most of the time in the kennels and things like that. Um, and so she was quite vocal. Um, she was basically just for the first six months making up the best of time of her new freedom. Um, yeah. which, but once we worked through that and stuff like that, she very quickly revealed herself to be um, incredibly loyal. Um, but also, like I said, mentioned before, deeply, deeply intuitive as to what was going on with the people around her, not even just me, um, but others as well. Tell us a bit about your journey from when you decided to train her as your assistant. So. Yeah, I knew I wanted to go with an organisation um, because I, at the prospect of doing all of that um, training and stuff on my own, I wasn't in a place to be able to do that without any assistance, if that makes any sense. Yes. Um, so I went with an organisation, um, which is not the ones I'm currently with at the minute, um, but they were really good in being able to provide a stepping stone so we could, um, you know, get that, just get the basics pat test and whatever down pat yeah. um uh it wasn't quite what i needed i needed a little bit more structure um just because when i don't understand something again i i tend not to say anything and just hope that i <laughs> just hope that i absorb yeah. the information but when it comes to assistance dogs and things like that it's not really an area where you can do that if that makes any sense no well you're not doing yeah. They'll fall learner any favours. Exactly. Like it's not exactly a productive environment. So I moved to an orga- a much smaller organisation um, where um, there was a lot, they use a, pro- a structure called co-training instead of owner training. Um, yeah. And I found that to have a lot more structure and that was a lot more helpful for me and Luna. Um, and yeah. there could be a lot more time spent on, um, spent on her being a dog but yeah. also, I don't, I can't know how to explain it. But there was just there was the structure where we needed it, which allowed for there to be um, let her to have that time off rather yeah. than just being go 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 all the time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, how do you go when you're out and about in the public? Tell us mm. a little bit about that because everyone has a different experience <laughs> with that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I. I thought that we'd have a lot more issues than what we what we what we do with access. It's not it's not necessarily um, access issues with with restaurants. We find it's a lot of people going. 
oh my god she's so cute and then and I know you had someone on a couple of episodes ago who was talking about people don't even ask your name and they just ask you about your health conditions and whatnot yeah and I <laughs> completely get that and often I'll get asked what's you for and I'll just say medical alert to be as vague as possible and then most people will take that and they'll and they'll you know get the hint of you know you don't ask any more you know personal questions but you always get those couple who's like yeah so um so what what specific condition do you have and all these things it's like I don't want to talk about this do you know what I mean it's yeah and that's that's the aspect I've really struggled with with um and I and I think um I rely very heavily for coping for me or previously to having Luna on being invisible yeah um of being kind of a chameleon if that makes sense you know if I wasn't I would observe people's behaviors and things like that and um that was my primary coping strategy. But when you have an assistance dog, you become the focus of a room. So when you walk into walk into a room, it's like, oh, people, oh, it's a dog. Yeah. Um, and so that that I've really struggled with with and still do um, with having such a visible sign of uh, of my struggle, if that makes sense. Yeah. But in the same breath, I also think that it's not necessarily a negative thing. Um, it's uncomfortable for me and that's not necessarily a bad thing because by me having something that's not invisible, it means then that if something was to go wrong, it's more clearly signposted that I might need some extra help, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So so she says she's sort of like a double-edged sword. She yeah, exactly. draws attention to you yeah. but by the same token she um, draws attention to you. Mm-hmm. So if you need mm-hmm. help. That you can do that. Yeah. You can get it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how did your friends and family react to you uh, deciding on having an assistance dog? You know, it's really interesting. I actually, I think my immediate family, it was a no-brainer because obviously when you live with someone 24-7, you get a very different insight into what's going on as compared to, you know, my extended family and friends. Um, so for my immediate family, um, like I said, it was a no-brainer, but I I didn't have any rude comments, but it, you could sense the air of there's nothing physically wrong with her, so why does she need to ha-? you know when you can you can just yeah. you can feel the judgment. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll yes, hear snippets I, of conversations and it's just like, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I under, I understand that. Yeah. Some people are like, oh, why do you want to you want yeah. to draw attention to yourself, don't you? Well yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> And um, particularly because, and I've never, I'm not one of those people who, if I get said something to me that's um, genuinely rude or something like that, I'm not one to confront with it, which is something I'm trying to build in. Not confront, I I don't mean in an aggressive way, I just mean to say, could you please not say that? Um, Stand up for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Have a backbone. um, And I'm working on that. Um, But in the meantime, (laughs) it makes for an interesting um, experience with that aspect of have you had any friends or family sort of back away from you not really um I think if anything it made the friends that I did have who I was close with um come in even more if that makes sense because I wasn't able to again hide what was going on and they became a lot more involved in my treatment if that makes any sense because Luna if I was having an episode Luna would go over and be like hey come on we gotta go we gotta see what Elise is doing she would go get a friend and 
but automatically I wasn't able to shield shield myself from that. And so in that sense, we became a lot closer. Um, and I'm pretty, you know, I'm lucky in some senses that most of my immediate family is interstate. So um, I don't necessarily see them to hear as much of those conversations, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, it, it's worked pretty well. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask yep. everybody. Um, what piece of advice would you, do you wish someone had given you when you first started your journey? So for me, I, I really, I don't know, it's, this is going to sound <laughs> very um, oh, pretentious, but for me, I my main outlook on life is kindness and compassion above everything else. And I think that sometimes I even catch myself doing it. I think that that means outward, outwardly, you know, be kind and compassionate to everyone else. But I also yeah. think a large portion of that is being even more kind and compassionate to yourself. And I think for when it comes down to assistance dogs, every man and his dog, which no pun intended, um, <laughs> will have an opinion or something to say about your dog from its training to its breed to the way it walks. And I think you oh, yeah. to acknowledge it. And move right along because realistically, you're just doing the best you can with what you've got, and that's enough. Yeah. And in the same breath, though, I'd I'd also say I think that most people you see on social media, you know, on the Facebook groups or whatnot, commenting commenting things that you might in, uh, initially get quite frustrated with. I don't actually think they're trying to be annoying or rude for the most part. Mm. I think that people do genuinely want to help where they feel they can, but they overstep their boundaries. Um, and sometimes it's you just have to set up the boundaries in regards to how you perceive and interact with those people and put your compassionate pants on and actually go, you know what, this is my circumstances. And, yeah, that, yeah so that would be. that's right. I am 100% with you on the yeah. be kind and compassionate mm-hmm. to yourself because we are often our own worst enemy, aren't mm-hmm. we, um, when if if. Rory makes a mistake in public. I automatically think, oh, people are going to think I'm a terrible trainer or I'm, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, and, I, and I, I always, <laughs> Yeah, we always beat ourselves up. And quite often in the spaces of like Facebook and places like that, I always think to myself that the most aggressive, nastiest people are probably the ones that need kindness the most. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I try and stick, try. We're not yeah, always no, absolutely. good with that. Um, tell me what's the best thing about having Luna Um, for me I think that the best thing about having an assistance dog is having a safety net there ready for when I need it if that makes sense I always have something to fall back on if everything if if stuff hits the fan Um, Mm. and I think what from the public looking in I think it's can be difficult sometimes because some days I might never need that safety net but there are other days when I completely depend on it. Like it is the only way I can get out the house is because Luna provides something to focus on rather than what's going on inside my head, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. so I think, and but those for me, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this on here, but um, I've, I have PTSD. And so for me, it's those episodes that can sneak up behind you and you, you don't wake up in the morning well, sometimes do, but you don't wake up in the morning going, yeah, I know, I'm going to have an episode today. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I think lots of people will sometimes think that she's doing nothing, which all of us assistants, dog handlers can appreciate that there's very little time where that's the case. But yeah. um, when, in effect, you, you just never know when things are going to happen and you just have to be prepared for it and have that safety net. And so 
like I said, she's always there. And even if I don't want it, like she loves, sometimes I'll be having a shower or whatnot and she'll push open the door and she'll put her, her nose to the glass. Just like that's a bit creepy for the, for the, <laughs> that's, some, that's some serious eye contact that I just don't want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. But people don't realize that um, our dogs are there for us for our worst times. Mm-hmm. And um, I have mobility issues. And some yeah. days I walk, as straight as an arrow and like a trooper, you know. Yep. Other days I can ba- barely drag my legs behind me. Yeah. And so it's like most things. It's, it, you prepare for the worst yep. and hope for the best. And, Absolutely. And our dogs are part of that preparation for the worst, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, what's been your biggest challenge along the way? Um, I think what I was mentioning before about, um, about um, me not being able to be invisible, I, and I know that that's, it's not it's not specifically her but i as a teen i think that perhaps my um uncomfortable uncomfortable i'm not sure if that's the yeah. word um, and and anxiety tends to travel down the lead in um and i think that it's been mitigating that about and i'm really lucky that my trainer i'm very close i'm quite close with and so when we go out and we train it's very, there's very much a focus on me allowing myself to take up space and ask for what I need. Um, But that's not something that comes naturally. And so obviously it's a skill that you practice. Yeah. I'd say that that's our biggest, our biggest uh, challenge or uh, it's the biggest for me, it's, it's, for me, it's the main negative is not being able to just make myself appear neurotypical. (laughs) Just, yeah. 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 Um, so that would be one of the worst things about having her around. Yeah. yeah. Um, Luna has her own Instagram page. Yes, she does. Which I will put in the show notes so yeah. people can go and have a look how beautiful she is. Yeah, and she also has a Facebook, but um, that's just, uh, that's, it's the same, um, same username. Oh, very good. Yeah. All right, I'll put them both in. Thank, Thank you. you very much for talking to me. and. Um, I hope things continue to improve. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've got any questions or you would like to be a guest, email me at eyes at gmail.com. Bye.